welcome today. Um, this is Omniel Dasuki for the HR Observer Podcast. I'm speaking with Beth Yoder, who is the Wellbeing, Diversity, and Inclusion Officer at the University of Gro- Groningen. Groningen, yes. Good try. <laughs> well, that's why we need inclusivity. <laughs> <laughs> So I would like to ask you first, what does inclusivity mean in today's world? Inclusivity in today's world means the same thing as it did uh, many years ago. We've, for many years, for generations, we've been trying to include people that were uh, on the outside for whatever reason, that are from another group. We used to research in-group, out-group. Now we call it inclusion. And there are a lot of different groups of people that are on the outside of whatever group is in the center. So it's basically the same concept as before, but there is a stress about it now more than before. We 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 there's even the inclusivity month, which is this month. There is a lot of focus on it. And that gives me the feeling that it might be a new idea or it's coming back in a new form. Is that correct? Uh is it coming back in a new form? In some ways, yes. Uh it's actually getting more attention now. And that's what's different. I actually don't think it's any different in the form, but we're finally giving it the attention it deserves. When we're we're finally realizing that this matters and it matters to everyone, uh, even to the people that are not on the outside, it matters to them. And it's going to enable us as a society to uh, be better, to, to take care of each other better, to produce more, um, to find solutions to our really difficult, complex problems that we're facing. So right. we need that diversity. Uh, we need it to survive for the future. Right. So I have actually worked a few years back, I mean, 10 years back, uh, on a thesis about in-group and out-group. And mm. one of the, yeah, one, but it was it was really interesting. And one of the things that I think about now is that What's the in-group does not want the out-group? What if the people inside do not want the people outside? What happens in that case? <laughs> How can an organization convince everybody, no, it's better to be diverse and inclusive? That sometimes happens. And in fact, when you look at how many people who think that way, it's actually a very small group. But there's a large group in the center in the middle of what I'm picturing is a bell curve. A lot of people who it looks like they don't want this because we don't see them taking action, doing a lot of things or speaking up for it very loudly. Uh, but they're more neutral than anything. So they are, it's possible to move them, it, but it requires a little bit of work. It's not that they're actually against it. They're sitting there waiting to see what's going to happen How is this going to work out? Uh, maybe it might take a little too much for work for me, or I don't think it affects me. So there are different ways we can uh, address that and motivate them or show how it actually does make a difference for them, show what they can do. But that requires a very uh, personalized approach. And in right. terms of learning, because that's the aspect of this that I spend most of my time on, helping people change through learning, we, are th we think of informal approaches to helping those people learn because they all have very different reasons for why they are doing what they're doing or not doing something different. Well, 
the, the reason why I mentioned the research is because I discovered at that time, or I think I discovered, but at that time I was convinced that people in groups who are in, on the inside, they actually want the people on the out groups to become like them so they can be welcomed within, you know, the group. Mm-hmm. And that actually beats the idea of inclusivity and diversity because then everybody becomes the same. Is that still happening? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yes that, and no. Now, uh, okay, so you asked me at the beginning, um, what's different now? And I will say, we know more now about the benefits there are to diversity, to diverse teams. This, there's been a lot of research into this. Uh, and we know that there are a lot of things that we gain from having those diverse perspectives in a group, especially when working on complex problems, something where we need creativity to solve it. Just the same old, same old is not going to work, which in truth is most of what we face today. Mm-hmm. So we need diverse teams, but they only work right if there is this inclusion, if people are allowed to come and bring the way they think about things their different perspectives, those have to be in, it valued. There has to be a place for them. Otherwise, it's not going to make a difference. Right. And so your, your question about do people in that in-group still expect people from the out-group to become like them? And in some ways, yes, definitely. I see, still see a lot of that. Um, but I do see that changing. There is more awareness because there's more awareness now of the benefits that the diversity brings. And we're, I would say, getting more practice at living together, working together, being our different selves. And Dubai is a great place for that. You're in Dubai, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I lived in Dubai for 10 years and Dubai is a hyper diverse place. And yet you have all these different so you have all these different people living together and there is a certain amount of uh, how do we live together? We have to have that. So you could call that adaption to each other. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, people still get to be who they are in a, a number of ways. And I think it's beautiful. <laughs> and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't uh, because this is something we're still learning how to do. So if it doesn't, what happens? What are the costs of not including people from diverse backgrounds? Well, the cost is, there are several costs. So for me personally, the the worst cost is we leave people feeling unimportant, unvalued, like they can't contribute. And that weighs heavily on a person. That person has so much potential. Each person has so much potential that they're not able to give. And so I, I see we, we diminish a human life. So that's the first cost. And then there's whatever cost of what that person could have contributed to society, maybe to solving these complex issues that we face in the world. Who knows what we've lost out on or how much time we've lost coming up with solutions because we don't have their input Perhaps there are other parts of the world that do not necessarily agree that diversity and inclusion is beneficial for them, but rather mm. and like does not benefit them. For instance, in the United States, with the situation of looking at how immigrants taking people, local people jobs, for instance, 
or in other parts of the world where they think if you are different in terms of your gender, then um, you're not going to produce the same way. So I'm just saying that it's still a very big topic. And how can we ensure that companies are actually more diverse and inclusive? So to ensure that companies do value the diversity and continue working towards inclusion of those people, creating spaces where they do belong, uh, there are a number of things that we can do. So we need to think about what we're doing at the organizational level, thinking about strategy, thinking about leaders who are being vocal about this, who are modeling this kind of behavior. And when I say behavior, not just being inclusive, but learning how to be inclusive. And this is one of the key things I think we need to do differently now. There's been a lot of emphasis on we have to do this. We have to do this is the right way to do it. We have to do the right thing and we have to sound right, look right, and so on. And some of this comes from legal ramifications. But we also need to create a space to learn. This is continuing to evolve. And I've seen this change over the decades now. And it's going to continue from here, changing. And we need to be able to learn with it. And no matter who we are, if we're brand new to this, and we're just hearing about it, and we're new in the workplace, and we're wondering, well, what do I do about this? What does this affect me? What do I say? You know, what do I do? So we're learning. And even if we are a seasoned DEI professional, we're still learning, and we will make mistakes. So there has to be that room to learn. Also, for those leaders that we expect to uh, lead and model this for their organizations. So we need to think at the organizational level. We need to think at the group level. So in organizations, this will be departments or teams. And then we need to think at the individual level. And we need to be addressing all of these. And when we see changes at the organizational level or society level, where we see some uh, countries, for example, that sound like they no longer value diversity or inclusion, and it seems like they are going the other way and maybe uh, closing themselves off to different groups. That is part of this process. That is a reaction that we, we know and we expect. And there are things we can do. There's also, it takes time. Any change takes time. And I think that's one of the ways we've hurt ourselves in this field is sometimes promising too much change too quickly. Right. Uh, or it's been demanded of us <laughs> by the leaders. Uh, so there's a tension there because change always takes time. And we're, this, is, this is big change. We're asking people to think and maybe do differently in, in some ways. It takes time for people to process that. Amazing. Right, Beth, Yoder, thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure speaking with you today. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk with you and to talk about this, one of my absolute favorite topics, something I've spent years doing. So thank you very much for the invitation. Of course, and hopefully we'll see you in HRSE. Yes, you will. I will be there in October. All right. Talking about the future of navigating the future of learning and development. That's, that's really cool. So yeah, we'll talk more about that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Anya. You're welcome. Bye.